Hey all, and welcome to Geek Freaks. I am Frank, and today I'm joined by Cheddar. Hey, what's going on? We have Kevin. Hey. And Kyle. Howdy. We got a nice full suite today. So, uh, let's go ahead and start off with our intro question of the week. What non-Star Wars movie would be improved with a Wookiee character added? All right. Kevin, you're the big Star Wars guy. We got to start with you, man. What are your thoughts? So I thought about what a Wookiee would add to a movie, and I'm like, okay, Wookiees are big, Wookiees are strong, they fight. Godzilla versus Kong versus Chewbacca. Now, I'm, I'm digging this already, just the visuals alone. I'm, I'm thinking of the poster. This thing's easy to sell. So I realize, yeah, Godzilla and Kong are very, very big. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Chewie can fly the Millennium Falcon, so. Fair. You know, they're kind of even there. I think it'd be a very entertaining, stupid movie, and that's what I look forward to in a Godzilla movie. So that's fair. Yeah. Now I was wondering, are you going to go with like a supersized Wookiee as well? Oh no, it'd have to be a normal-sized Wookiee. You can't give him any additional advantages. Yeah, I like that. Has to be as is. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll do mine next. Um, I want to see a Wookiee in Saving Private Ryan. Uh, it's a <laughs> the reaction. To that. <laughs> nice. Go on. So we have this movie with this band of heroes that are slowly making their way through a German war-torn Germany, and and it's all about this like um, sticking together and camaraderie. And that camaraderie we see between Han Solo and him and Chewbacca, I want to see that with like a whole group of people. And then you have those like awesome battle scenes where they're all pinned down and stuff like that. How cool would it be if you have like you know Vin Diesel and all these other and Tom Hanks, and then just like a Wookiee over there, and he's like got the gun and he's kind of like, crouched behind a rock, and they're like discussing things, and he's over there. <laughs> And it'd be, I think it would I think be bad. Your actually. growl, your Wookiee growl, <laughs> is so good. <laughs> so um, that's yeah, Saving Private Ryan. While almost a perfect movie, it's missing one Wookiee. That's my thing. Cheddar, what are you thinking? What what movie needs a Wookiee in it? Man, so that that's kind of a tough question because it's hard to think of Wookiees outside of you know where they're at now. Mm -hmm. um, but what I originally thought of that would tie just because it's easy, it's like something like Guardians of the Galaxy. It's like. Mm. Oh, yeah. having a whole Wookiee world of just their own. I don't know. I just feel like that's an easy tie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine a conversation between Groot and like Chewbacca? <laughs> I think that'd be great. <laughs> I, it would be riveting and we would not know a single word of it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It'd be amazing. And then, yeah, they go to Kashyyyk, like you're saying, and then just be like, and then we could see Star-Lord trying to hook up with a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> I, am I think on you're onto something. <laughs> I'll on write the fanfic. Hey, Disney owns them both. Come on, Disney. You guys can make this happen. <laughs> Don't disappoint us, Disney. <laughs> right. Kyle, what are you thinking over there, man? Well, I've actually been uh, diving into the Conjuring universe a little bit, and I just finished the Annabelle trilogy. Those movies would definitely improve with Chewbacca in it. <laughs> I How do you tie it? Chewbacca into that, though? Well, yeah, he could be film. one of the, you know, the Warren's investigation into the Wookiee or the Bigfoot, yeah, maybe. And they can have some interactions with, you know, a Wookiee, just, you know, hearing the Wookiee sound in the forest and, you know, with Annabelle and all that unleashed, it'd be like a monster mashup. I think it'd be really fun to watch. I didn't think about how that sound, like while you're alone in the forest and like it's dusk. And then all of a sudden you hear that Wookiee roar. And uh, people, that would scare the shit out of me. <laughs> you know? I think of something one. like Jace, uh, Freddy versus Jason. I think yeah. that'd be really cool. Chewbacca versus, versus Annabelle. Fun, yeah. There you go. 
<laughs> so we just both threw Chewbacca into things where he's fighting other monsters or other things like him. <laughs> I think what we want is for Disney to make a new like Mandalorian type series where we just pitch Chewbacca versus different monsters and just yes. be like, this week, <laughs> Chewbacca versus the alligator from Lake Placid. <laughs> and we just see what happens. <laughs> I mean, that's probably better than Saving Private Ryan. I'm, I'm just throwing that out there. He would be great with Tom Hanks, damn it. I still defend that. True. Those two chatting about, you know, him being an English teacher, that's great. <laughs> I want to see more. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to our Patreon shout out. Shout out to uh, Kevin, Scott, Flypart, Sonny, and Marco. Um, we do a giveaway every other uh, month. The giveaway for the next month is uh, Geek Freak socks. So hopefully, you know, they are good socks. We found out the mug is chipping, but. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but anyways, so that's going to be randomly given away to one of our patrons, the second tier and up. Um, those will go out on the first. So if you guys want to get in on that, join before the first. Let's get into the news. start off with Shang-Chi's new trailer. Uh, we just all watched it. Let's get some immediate reactions off of this. Uh, Kyle, what is your immediate reaction off the Shang-Chi trailer? Man, I am stoked for it. I think uh, it's really great to see the variety in Marvel films, mm-hmm. especially with you know all the different genres that they've explored while making their universe. And I've never really seen a full-blown martial arts movie from Marvel. Yeah. I think it has a lot of potential, and the cast looks astounding. The special effects look fantastic. I think it's going to be a home run all all around. No, I, I agree. I, I haven't seen a martial arts movie um, like that, so I'm interested. But when watching the trailer, the first thing I think about is Doctor Strange. Mm. I don't know why. I, I, it draws Doctor says Doctor Strange to me. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm hoping it's not corny or any of the fights or or they throw too much comedy into it. There is a little Doctor Strange in it, actually. Matter of fact. My first thought was the the Doctor Strange thing, too. And the first time I saw Doctor Strange, I didn't really get the movie because I saw it outside of the context of the rest of the MCU. Um, it also I got glimpses of like Fast and the Furious. And it's not just because the cars it's because of the like the big action sets and yeah. all the, the fast paced frantic action going on. I was like, I don't really care for the fast movies, but I am very excited for this because it's outside of the realm of the rest of the MCU. Yeah, I actually got a vibe of like Batman fight scenes myself. Um, like the Christian hmm. Bale ones, like the good ones. Um, uh, if you're thinking about when they're fighting in that, that big, um, skyscraper, whatever, I was like, oh, that reminds me so much of like Batman fighting at the end of the Joker one, stuff like that. I kind of got that. Uh, there is a big thing online. Everybody's catching the fact that at the very end, we see Abomination, Hulk's, you know, first villain from the movies fighting Wong from Doctor Strange. The more crossovers it has, especially with like ancillary characters from other movies, not like main characters. I more crossovers it has the better it'll do i know that yeah. much yeah because marvel actually doesn't have the rights to do a hulk movie so they have to bring in hulk stories from outside of hulk himself so that that's what we're trying to figure out is if if we'll see red hulk if we'll see i mean god i would i would kill for maestro if they're to bring in maestro which is actually hulk in the future when he's smart and a tyrant we could probably see that uh, we got smart hulk already professor hulk uh so that's pretty cool we haven't seen a good like kung fu or karate or any of those like martial artist movies in a while and the 90s was full of them. What was your favorite martial arts movie from back in the day? I'll kick us off with Bulletproof Monk, which is a story where this monk was like able, like he was just like super powered and stuff like that. It was a really good fun, like almost cop drama or cop comedy. It was a really <laughs> big blast for me back in the day. Um, There's also the one where uh, it was Jet Li going around and like killing off the other versions of himself. 
to become more and more powerful. And it was just, it was really dope. Um, Cheddar, what was your favorite old martial arts movie? So the, the only one that I can really think of that I know I've watched more than once was just Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. The original. Yeah. And that was just one that it like over played over and over. So outside of that, um, I, I really don't have too much. Miyagi was so cool. Yeah. That's a good wax one. Wax on, wax off, man. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work for shit, by the way. <laughs> when I'm out there, I'm not really feeling any better about karate. Uh, what do you think, Kyle? What was your what was your old favorite? Uh, well, I'm going more with the early 2000s, but mm-hmm. one of the biggest impacts a movie made on me in this genre was Hero. It was back, I think, in 2004 with Jet Li. Yeah. Uh, for a foreign release movie, it was one of the most successful at that time. Mm-hmm. And I just loved the spectacle of it. Loved the martial arts. It was just overall a great introduction to that whole genre of filmmaking for me. Yeah. Jet Li is outstanding. He's, he's something else. It's probably not going to surprise you to find out that I didn't watch like almost any Kung Fu movies growing up. Um, I, I'll throw it to video games, though, and Here give a shout out to, to Sleeping Dogs. That was a that was a oh, great yes. game. Oh, yeah. Fantastic was, game. It's yeah. Kung Fu plus GTA, essentially, or yeah. Saints Row plus Kung Fu. It was, it was a pr- very good game. Yeah. Very fun. That's on my list of eventually I'll play. Yeah. You I've haven't played it? Not yet. It, I own it on like different systems and everything. Um, it's just all it's my awesome, list of man. things that needs to be played. Yeah. It's a good game. <laughs> all right. Moving on to the next thing here. Spielberg uh, and Netflix are teaming up. This was big news because it was just a couple years ago when Spielberg was saying that directors and, and studios need to stop using Netflix. It's ruining the industry. Now, Sun Emblem's multi-picture deal with them. So now what's going to be happening is they're going to be producing additional films. It's not going to take over any of the films. They're going to be producing additional films for Netflix only. Possibly get some sequels for movies that weren't going to normally get sequels. Uh, do you guys think that this is just a fiscal move for Spielberg, or he was he's actually starting to see the errors of his ways after a pandemic? Yeah, it's got to be a financial move, right? Especially if he was so adamant about it a couple of years back. Um, yeah, people are going to be wary of going to theaters in long term. I think for a while at least. So it's, it's a smart move. I'll give him that, but I, it's definitely financial. Do you think that there's a chance that after a pandemic? Where where we saw people start to like really see the value of staying at home and and like you know that kind of became a new way of watching TV. He saw that people are actually valuing at home entertainment more. Yeah, I I mean me personally, I don't like going to the movie theaters, and so I always wait for a movie to go to a streaming service before I watch it anyway. And if I can skip that step, and I'm sure there's at least a couple other people like me, there are dozens of us, I'm sure. Um, yeah, I I think the the wider the audience you can get your get eyes on your movie, the better. And I know back in the day, especially when Steven Spielberg's name was tied to a film, it was always a really good sign. Uh, I'm assuming he's still making the Private Ryan that has the Wookiee in it, so I'm happy with that as well. Um, <laughs> what Spielberg movie is your favorite from back in the day? Was something that was like, yes, that's Spielberg. Well, I mean, aside from the obvious choices like Jurassic Park or any Tom Hanks movie, really, uh, I want to kind of take it back and go with Hook. And I think oh, it was '93. Nice. Uh, that was. A big movie for me growing up. I went to the theater to see it with my family. Mm-hmm. And Robin Williams was just phenomenal in it. He's one of my all-time favorite actors as well. And just the whole like set design, like it was so like high quality throughout the whole movie. Like you really felt like you were a part of the, you know, the whole crew, the pirate crew. Just uh, you know, teaming up with Peter Pan, taking him down. It's funny that See, for me, my favorite part of that movie was Dustin Hoffman as Hook himself. 
Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. That was like, man, the acting was amazing. And I remember saying good form throughout the house for a while after that. Uh, that, that movie was so, so good. Yeah, it's a good choice. I'm a Jaws fan myself. I mean, I'm, really, you can't mess up yeah. on anything. But Jaws, to me, I could have sit there and rewatch it any day of the week. Uh, very well done. And to think it was like one of his first movies, <laughs> you know, it's just so crazy that he's able to pump that out at, at such a young age. Um, but yeah, so Spielberg obviously coming to Netflix is a good sign for the industry, for, for the streaming industry. Uh, was there ever, what was the last movie that you went to based off the director's name? Like for me, it was, it was M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. I, you know, oh boy, I, I was a little worried about M. Night Shyamalan after the Avatar thing, but nevertheless, I was going to give him a second chance. And before I'd always go to like, oh, I'll go see Signs because it's the next M. Night movie. I've never based a movie that I wanted to watch off the director. I don't think ever. It's not something yeah. that I, I mean, actors sometimes, but it's usually, uh, <laughs> it's usually based on the trailer and what my friends and wife want to see. Well, I want to say, I think I like love science fiction movies. And one of the biggest ones for me was District 9. So I made yeah. a point to see every Neil Blomkamp movie. So the last time I really got excited for a director, you know, releasing a new film was Elysium mm-hmm. with uh, Matt Damon. And while that wasn't as good as District 9, I still loved it regardless. That's a really good movie. Like, nobody talks about it. I liked that movie a lot, too. That was good. Um, well, well, Jodie Foster actually was in that movie as, the, like, the bad yes. guy. And she mm-hmm. killed it. That was good. Cheddar, what's that director that, like, pulls you to the theater? I'm with Kevin. There's not a there's not a director. I mean, oh, to me, man. it's all about what's the trailer, what's the actor. Um, uh, am, am I going to be interested in it? Yeah. Um, or is it going to be corny? Uh, and I'm all about the trailer, right? Yeah. Um, I'll look into. I don't even really look into movies before I go see it. Honestly, I'll go see a trailer and and I won't even do any research. The trailer interests me, then I'll go check it out. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm at. I'm not really. The name doesn't really persuade me because I I feel like anybody make a good movie i mean not me but like <laughs> ones that are out there i want to see the cheddar directed movie yeah i think that'd be really good stuff yeah no you don't i heard cheddar <laughs> was doing kong versus godzilla versus chewbacca hey, <laughs> hey. he's got it <laughs> uh, that one's i'm still gonna say that one's better than uh the Stephen private ryan idea i really do not like the slander that's getting tossed around here this is i do not appreciate it at all <laughs> well i mean he couldn't even save han solo come on and and hey, and the guys from Saving Private Ryan couldn't save Vin Diesel doesn't mean it was any better or worse. He stayed out there just dying. Oh God, don't get me started. And the Wookiee would make it made the whole thing better. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next thing here, and I know Kyle's excited. We got Transformers Beast Wars coming to the big screen here. Yes. This is from the 90s, uh, 96 Canadian developed animated series. It was one of the first of the all CGI shows that kind of became a fad in the early 2000s. Takes place 300 years in the future. And they're all animals, essentially. Now, Kyle, was this kind of your first Fourier into Transformers? Uh, no, I've seen uh, the original G1 series as well as the movie when, you know, after it came out on VHS. Yeah. But uh, this was the first TV show for Transformers that I really remember fondly on. Uh, essentially, this came out when I was, when we were all really in middle school. Mm-hmm. And I remember it came on. Fox Kids like at 6 a.m. So I had to always set the VHS timer to record while I was sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And I made a point to record every single episode on VHS, which I still have. And it was just a phenomenal show all around. Great casting. The voice acting was incredible. 
A bargaining chip should remain in play until the game is over. Yes. And it was more based off of like, you know, prehistoric times. Like they actually show up right when man is first developing into Homo sapien. Mm-hmm. So basically, the whole plot of the show is they're trying to gain control over Earth through yeah. its resources. And I'm kind of precarious about the movie based off of history. <laughs> Let's just say that much. Um, I'm not really a big fan of the movies right now, but I'm hoping they'll change course for Beast Wars because it deserves it. It's a great series. It really was. Yeah, I liked the characters in it too a lot. Um, did you Have you watched any clips, clips recently and do you think the CGI still holds up? Oh, I did, yeah. Um, from time to time, you know, I'll kind of just go back and watch some highlights. Like, uh, Dinobot is always my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not questionable at all. Yeah. And I think the writing, though, is what really makes it a timeless piece of entertainment. Like, it's just so well done. Like, the character yeah. interactions just between the Maximals and the Predacons or against each other. And it's got a really good lore to it, too. Like, if you watch it, you'll see glimpses of G1 in there. Mm-hmm. Because basically, you know, optimists and all of them, they're crash land on the planet, but they don't wake up until 1980s. And this takes place way before then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's nice because there's not any distractions in this series. It's just them. So you have, I mean, it's just full Transformers conversation no the humans. entire time. Yeah. <laughs> That's important. Just, yeah. It helps a lot. And I think actually, like, yes. to be honest with you, sometimes it feels like the humans are ruining the Transformers movies sometimes when it's just like, yes. okay, I don't care about all these like choppers coming in. You guys are going to do anything. It's Megatron. <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> get Optimus Prime up in there. Uh, but yeah, that's a good one. Um, Kevin, did you get a chance to watch Beast Wars when you were younger? Yeah, it was one of those shows that was always on when I was getting ready for school, but I never right. like paid attention to it like Kyle did, um, unfortunately, by the sounds of it. Uh, I'm curious, Kyle, do you still have a VCR that can play those old VHS tapes that you recorded? I don't. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, Would have been valuable. But if we can get one, I can get those tapes to you. (laughs) (laughs) A random UPS box at Kevin's house full of VHS tapes. Like, oh, great. Now I got to find a VCR. (laughs) Now, Chetta, you're like the young kid on the block with us over around here. Do you remember Beast Wars? So, uh, same thing. School. Uh, Getting ready for school, it was always on. Uh, But uh, yeah, Kyle, I'm not to that level. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. You know, I, anything I'd say about it, it makes me just sound stupid because it was just, it was on. Yeah. I, I watched it, you know, got the toys, got the action figures that would tear apart. Um, and Same. that's probably the extent. <laughs> yep. I've got all the collectibles as well. Somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Mine are in somebody's trash. Transformers action figures are always the best. <laughs> They're so good. So this will be coming back. Uh, and we're excited for Beast Wars. Do you think that this is enough to redeem the franchise after the kind of Michael Bay flops? Bumblebee was solid, but do you think this will be a new direction for them? Fingers crossed. I mean, I don't want to hold my breath for it, but, mm-hmm. you know, based off the past, I always think of, you know, the second movie and how bad that was as a fan of the series. And I really hope they do justice by the original characters. They see it true to them because that's what made the show was their personalities. Yeah. And I know that's probably not going to translate over to a movie very well, but, you know, I can hope I can believe. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> I mean, it's going to depend how they carry past the first one, in my opinion. Like Transformers, the first one, great. Yep. After that, everything just died, right? If they can continue the momentum yep. from the first one. Yeah. That, to me, that's what, it, you know, I'm going to watch the first one. I think everybody's going to be hyped about it and watch it. 
but how you carry it on is really going to depend on am I, am I really going to keep going or just no. Yeah. And I think that's going to be, I don't think it's going to be like the show almost at all, really, because I think it's going to have a lot more humans in it, which absolutely you know, more than zero. And, um, and I think they're going to try to keep it grounded as much as possible because I think that's what was successful with Bumblebee was that it was a it was a lot smaller story than just to be like the world's in danger again, you know, and we need Transformers to to do the job. So I think they might keep it grounded, you know. All right, uh, more Ubisoft news. I feel like we're talking about them every week now. Um, <laughs> Kevin's face <laughs> right away. Right away. Uh, we have two things to talk about, but the first one is a little bit lighter. Uh, Ubisoft removes a fan mod. That turned Far Cry 5, great game, into GoldenEye from the N64, really great game. It took the fan three years to make this mod, and and people were enjoying it. They were downloading it, checking it out. Of course, GoldenEye is a, pl- a classic uh, piece of our childhood. Kevin, you've built mods before. I know you've used mods in the past. Do you uh, Do you think companies should have the power to stop these mods? That's a very tough question because I want to say no, obviously, but there's so yeah. much legality behind it that I'm I'm not familiar with copyright law. And I know there's a lot of questions around copyright law, especially here in America. Um, yeah, I, if if there's the possibility for Rare or somebody to sue Ubisoft over a mod that Ubisoft had nothing to do with, then of course they should remove it. I It, it really sucks. Modding is modding is what makes pc gaming what it is and yeah. mo- mods are great but it's it's that's tough until copyright law in the united states or everywhere gets a little bit more up to speed with reality where technology is right now then there's really nothing that i think can be done would you give this a shot cheddar to play some classic golden eye again oh yeah i mean i i think the mods are great i think anybody should have the ability to do the mod but that's from a player standpoint. Um, and then, then like you're saying it from a, a business suing part aspect of it, you know, that, that's, I don't know anything about that side of the house. Right. Um, so as a, as a player, um, absolutely. As a business person, I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It, you know, it's just one of those things. It's like, we can't just can't have fun essentially because everybody's got to worry about, you know, suing each other and stuff like that. And it's like, it's a shame. Do you find, Games accepting mods, kind of like how Bethesda does, as a selling point to the game? Uh, selling point, I don't really see that. I think more so the game needs to stand on its own merit based off mm-hmm. the developer's intended vision for the game. I mean, mod after support, you know, would be ideal for the community to keep the game alive. Right. Like the basically just to keep it going way past its expiration date. Because content these days, they just, you know, they last not even a day anymore. So I yeah. think uh, having mods after the fact, just for community engagement and, you know, accrue more numbers, I think that would be beneficial the most, but definitely not as a selling point for the game. Yeah, I, I do like the way you're saying it, like, gives it longevity. Like, Skyrim is a great example of that. Exactly. But are you, but, I mean, like you're saying, are you are you buying a game because of, of a mod? I'm, not me. I, I buy the game because of the game, and then if the mod is there, then, yeah, it's a plus. I have legitimately bought games because of mods like Quake 3. I didn't care for the arena style shooter of Quake 3, but there were some mods that like, Urban Terror was like, they turned it into almost a Call of Duty before Modern Warfare came out. Uh, There's yeah. a mod called Afterwards that was huge. It was, it was not okay, it was tiny, but it was very, very fun. Much more 
appealing to me than the base game was. I think it is a selling point, and I think Kyle's trying to push my buttons, but... <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, I actually don't like mods, to be honest with you, personally. I, I think that, like, if there's a mod in the game, I feel like it's cheapening the developer's original plans, which I totally, totally see people going against that, and that's fine. Um, but I have bought in games that were developed because they were mods. For example, there's the Arma games. Somebody made a zombie survival game out of that, and that became DayZ. I bought DayZ. Um, and then I think PUBG, too, was actually a um, version of DayZ. So, like, I keep buying the games that the mods turn into. And so I see, like, that there's a natural part of development nowadays that's coming out of, like, seeing what mods take off and going off of that. The Battle Royale genre in general came from mods. So there's always that. Same with same with MOBAs and uh, oh, yeah. games like Rocket Arena and uh, almost any of the arena style shooters usually started off as a mod for Quake 3. That's fair. That's totally true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love League of Legends and that wouldn't be around if people didn't mod back in the day Warcraft 3. All right, let's move on to the next thing from Ubisoft. The director for their Avatar and Star Wars game was removed. This guy's name is David Paulfeld. We're going to say that. Um, he's the managing director for Massive Entertainment, which is called Ubisoft Massive around there. And he's stepping away for six months and he's going to come back in a, quote, new strategic role. Uh, this is following allegations of sexual abuse or uh, harassment and whatnot, the normal Ubisoft thing, unfortunately. Uh, we, we talked about this in the past, but Telegram, a French newspaper, recently released an article uh, exposing the minimal changes that Ubisoft has done in the face of these allegations. So. We see there's a few people that have been removed. We'll go over those in a bit. Do you feel like Ubisoft has finally taken the steps in the right direction? I, I think they're trying to do as little po as possible. And it's been said before, even in the original Bloomberg article or Kotaku, whatever Jason Scryer was working right. for when he wrote the original article about Ubisoft, is that's what they would do is just move people around to try to move the problem to another, uh, to another facility or to change their title or slap on the wrist for people that are doing what they're doing, making as much money as they're making, taking advantage of as many people as they're taking advantage of. No, that, that's not nearly enough. Yeah. The best example of that would be um, Yves Goulomont. I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, he's the, he was the CEO and everything like that. And we, we all recognize his face. Um, he's always the one that's out there apologizing. Uh, he's now becoming the creative director. And so it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but what's the difference between those two titles? Like you're still the boss of, a, of everybody. And that's essentially what the problem is. And so we're seeing this change being made. Uh, other people being uh, removed or moved uh, starting on June 12th. Uh, we have like the head of HR, uh, Cecil Cornett. We have the chief creative officer, Serge uh, Hosko moving. We have a few other ones moving. The head of HR, I think, is a really good move because HR being, it's supposed to be your haven during these kind of times when there's uh, harassment, abuse out there. And all they did was basically just sided with management every time. or didn't take people seriously. Of course, it's a huge problem. So I think that removal is key. And then the CEO's got to go. I mean, honestly, like I've said in the past, get rid of the entire family because it's a whole family that owns the company. Um, and it's a detriment. What do they have to do next then, Kevin? What, what do we have to see out of them? I know if I asked you this question before, they're removing people now. Do we actually have to see straight up firings? Yes. 100% yes. Absolutely. Uh, Eve Guimau should not be anywhere near that company or anywhere near the game industry at all anymore. He should just be blacklisted, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, even if he personally didn't do any of this, he oversaw the company throughout all of this and 
has done too little throughout the entire process to even try to make amends to the people that were involved or to the player base that supports their company. Yeah, he needs to go. That family, like you said, needs to go. It's yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I, I I'm so tired hey. of Ubisoft. I I'm <laughs> I I'm sick. I'm sick of them. Yeah. Sick of it. Mm-hmm. Uh I also unfortunately we're not gonna mention his name again. I need to like record you saying his name properly so I can just insert that <laughs> in every time. <laughs> so I don't have to do Yves Goulamont <laughs> every time. Have you heard uh, the new story about Eve Gimo? <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. Shout out to Jason again for writing articles that are just like killing it. <laughs> the guy I can seriously just do a podcast just about his articles. I want to leave on a positive note because every time we talk about Ubisoft, it's always a negative. Here's some positive stuff. Uh, not about Ubisoft, but these are companies, developers that you could feel no guilt about supporting them. Um, I've researched companies that have um, good employee relationships. So I've got, what, four here? Yeah, four. So let's start off with uh, Bungie. Uh, a company called Glassdoor went through and did surveys of all the employees at, at these different developers. Asking him, would you recommend your friend working here? So Bungie had a 72% response, which is pretty good. That was that was pretty good. They say they nurture growth. There are there is some crunch, but they're pretty good about it. Um, they also have a Bungie Foundation where they raise money for a children's hospital and the Red Cross. There's Take Two, 87% of the employees would recommend them to friends. Uh, they are very welcoming to new new co- uh, employees, giving them training, whatever they want to better themselves. They also are uh, focused on diversity amongst their work, work staff. Nintendo, no surprise here, they're at an 81%. They really focus on work-life balance with all their employees, so that's pretty cool for them. And lastly, Naughty Dog, which I didn't think they would be up there, but they are, because they make such great games. You think, like, these guys got to be crunching all the time. No. 83% of the employees would suggest them to friends. They said there is a lot of overtime, but they pay a ton of benefits, and they frequently give bonuses to, to all levels of employees. So those companies, if you guys see them make a game and you're like, I just want a game guilt-free, there's your guilt-free games. And Nintendo's a safe one, right? So that was really good to kind of have those. So would you, would you Frank buy a Ubisoft game? I, I you know, I mean, I, I, I'm writing an article right now about the Steam sale. And sadly enough, there's a couple of Ubisoft games on there because they make really great games. I, I, I generally pick up any Ubisoft game and know I like it. That's why we mention them on the podcast a lot because... At least we're starting to try, we're trying to put a spotlight on the situation. So there's that give and take, you know, what are you going to do? Do you also want to support those guys that are out there making a game? Because you got a company of thousands and because the top 50 are being assholes doesn't mean that the 950 below them haven't worked really hard and get their paychecks from us buying games. I don't know. Plus it's a really good deal on Far Cry 5 right now, guys. It's only eight bucks. So make sure you pick that up. <laughs> mixed messages <laughs> alright speaking of awesome developers ignoring people uh, we have Niantic that are ignoring the fans and now we're going to go over this but I want to make sure uh, everybody knows we have a new um, series coming to our YouTube channel only uh, it's uh, called Press Pause and it's a um, mental health and gaming focused podcast where we go over a different mental health issue every, ish- ep- every episode I'll be joined by well it's actually basically ran by rob from altered universe podcast me and number teaming up to do this this is going to be our first ish uh, first topic that we're talking about is niantic and how pokemon go can be better for people with disabilities but we're going to talk about this here as kind of a segue into that so just kind of get that in mind listeners and, and you three as well so on the 21st june 21st niantic will be removing some pandemic changes they put in, well that's already happened now um <laughs> uh uh pandemic changes 
to help players keep distance. These changes benefited both the company and the players, uh, but now the players are like upset they're going to remove these changes because the game was a lot better uh, to them. So here's the things that are being removed, okay? The uh, effectiveness of incenses that like make Pokemon come to you, those are a lot stronger. Now they're getting removed. Pokestops and gyms are having their distance uh, reduced, so you have to get closer to the gym or whatever to activate it. And they're going to decrease the number of gifts brought in by your buddy Pokemon. So basically, like, things you would normally have to go out and venture for, your buddy Pokemon will get for you. Now they're decreasing it, so it's less effective to do that. You actually have to go out more often. So first off, let's start with, have you guys been playing Pokemon Go recently? That's a trick. No, I haven't touched it. Man, I haven't touched it in. I couldn't (laughs) tell you how long. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) Uh, I put a couple hours into it, maybe once back in 2019, and it didn't stick. (laughs) <laughs> not for long yeah i've i've seen my wife play it a few times i've never touched it in my life so i oh really you just I stay have, away from it yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not a pokemon fan i'm not a mobile game fan yeah it's hard because that mobile game part's the part that really sticks with me it's like oh great of course i i got really into it back when it first came out and recently i mean i've been playing it for the research of this thing but Recently, I've been just kind of like hopping in there just to see what changes there have been made because it's it's actually still thriving quite a bit. It's doing really well. During these, when they did these changes, it actually like reboosted its popularity. Uh, they made more than double what they did in 2019 during 2020, and that's during a pandemic when everybody's like trying to stay away from each other. They actually, made more money than normal. Uh, there are arguments that people are making. It's not like laziness, which, which is the, kind of the first response. It's like, oh, these guys just don't want about walking. No, the argument is that it helped people with disabilities. And, of course, stay safe. So uh, those who have mobility limitations, they're stuck at home, uh, or they have anxieties and they don't do well in crowds, stuff like that. There's all kinds of different people that that do better when they're on their own or with their own tight-knit community and stuff like that. They thrived during this, and they're actually able to play the game, some of them, for the first time ever. And now, all of a sudden, you're basically taking the game away from them. And so there's a huge, there's these change.org petitions going out. Last I checked, it was around 75,000 signatures for this to try to keep these changes in place. Why would Niantic make these changes, revert these changes, if they're making uh, money already from it? Why would they revert the changes even regardless of that? I mean, if they're getting more people to play their game anyway, why would they revert the changes regardless of making more money? Honestly, accessibility is huge. Microsoft kills it with accessibility. Yes. Um, Niantic and Pokemon Company should follow that lead. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know why they would change it. There's, in my opinion, other than, you know, the, the uber elite uh, Pokemon Go players out there being like, no, this, this, this I, yeah, I can walk this far, so can you. I, you're not a real gamer unless you can physically go to a gym or something <laughs> like that. It's, those kind of people just should, you know, take the back seat and just shut yeah. up for a little bit and let, let people have fun with their game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if that's exactly what it is at the end of the, it's a video game. We're all just having fun with it. I mean, if it was me, and it's, I mean, maybe they wanted to bring back what they originally, what their original intentions were, and how the game was supposed to be. Um, so maybe that's why they're going back to it. Um, but from the, I guess, other perspective is if they're having more players, and why change it? Listen to listen to your followers. Yeah. So if and and one of the big problems that we're having here is Niantic is just like straight up ignoring the players uh, to one point where they put out like I think it was a blog post or whatever. Something real quick. They said, can you guys please stop harassing and bullying us? They said that to the employee, to the, to the fans requesting these changes. And I, I believe it was removed real quick. And it was like this thing that just like started way more wildfires. 
uh, when they did that. And like, are you serious? You guys are worried about feelings and you're not listening to us? <laughs> like, screw you guys. There's all kinds of things like that. How could they handle their their fan base better? Um, ask for that feedback, right? Put something in the game, right? What, what changes do they want to see? Um, they need to listen to that feedback. They need to take that in consideration before they move forward, especially if it's getting this much of an uproar. Um, yeah. Why? Right. Throw something out there and dress those people on. on um, and I don't know enough about it right now, but have they put anything out to say why they're doing the changes? Um, the only thing that they've put out uh, in supporting these changes is the fact that they want to get people out there again. They feel like people are not leaving the homes and walking the streets as they used to. Um, and then, so that, that was the reason for this. Yeah, I think they need to give more education. I think they, if that's really the case, then they need to. Um, I think the biggest reason why people get upset is just they don't understand or they don't know. Um, so put it out there and then listen to listen to them, listen to them back. Right. Ask, ask for feedback and then get their perspective, too. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to be su- successful if they keep just ignoring everything. I, I like the way of like having like maybe a voting system in game where you guys can vote on the changes you want would be amazing. Actually, I think all developers should do something like that. Really was really good. <laughs> To me, that sounds a lot like people arguing for an easy mode in Dark Souls and then the backlash that that got. It's yeah. If there's additional people playing the game, how does that affect your play style? You can still play the game how well, you want. Well, to. fuck Dark Souls because I played that game for a little bit and uh, <laughs> shut it off after a while. So I don't want to talk about that. I'm afraid of Dark Souls because it doesn't have that easy mode I need. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But that's a really good way to look at it, Kevin. It's like you guys are enjoying the game. So what's it hurt? To have an easy mode that just brings more people in. You could still brag that you beat it on normal or whatever. Um, but there's some of us that just like story. So <laughs> looking at you, God of War. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and get into our next thing here. We have Guardians uh, in the Galaxy. They're introducing something new to the, to the streaming world. Uh, everybody who doesn't know about streaming, there's this thing called the DMCA, Digital Millennium Copyright Act. Uh, basically what it is is if you're streaming music and it's something that's copyrighted, you could get these things called strikes. And after so many strikes, you'll actually not be able to stream anymore. They'll ban you, they'll kick you from the streaming platform. So Twitch and YouTube usually does this. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, the new game coming up by Square Enix, is going to have a streamer mode that will replace all of the regular music that's supposed to be in the game with streamer safe music that's kind of just like whatever. Do you think this is something that, that companies should start working on? You know, that was really interesting to see that E3 demo. and actually having the non-DMCA music be better than the licensed music. So I think overall, I think it'd be a boon to everybody if they just eliminated DMCA altogether, first of all, because it's such an outdated model for the internet age, like the modern internet age. Yeah. Thanks, Metallica. Um, <laughs> just and, to point that out this is not a metallica shirt this yeah, is a metroidvania shirt i was gonna say in the metallica style just pointing that out there that is awesome actually i didn't notice that before thank you for but that's awesome <laughs> but um i think overall it, it's definitely dated it needs to be looked at again i'm sure like with enough lobbying from you know gaming companies or streamers or whatever twitch maybe uh, it could happen but until then, this is a great solution, temporary solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it goes against, you know, the developer and their intended vision for the game. And streamers are not really contributing to their success in any way. The games, basically, they're just advertisers. So I think it's kind of a give and take situation. Both sides have to work together to find a solution. 
that that has been kind of the pitch for streaming itself not being against the DMCA. Like I myself think like if we push too hard on things, eventually there's going to be a company that's like Square Enix maybe will go like, you know what, then you guys can't stream our game anymore because you're telling the story and that's that's ruining the game. There have been many games where I'm like, I don't have the time to play whatever game. I'll watch the, somebody stream it. And like the Telltale games are a really great example of this. I'll watch them stream it, then I'll get the game and I'm good. I don't need to play it. Uh, do you think that that might be the future of this situation if it goes bad, that, that we might just get it all shut off? You know, it's such a tightrope. Um, it could really go either way. Like, I think with enough pressure, with monetary financial hits, I think uh, developers may very well say, like, you can't stream our stuff, like Nintendo tried to do a few years back. And even with, you know, Evo, the fighting game tournament that is like the biggest one of the whole community. Essentially, Nintendo had quite a lot of feedback and prevented people from streaming like Smash Brothers tournaments. Yeah. I think if you do that, it's more harmful to the community. But I do understand their point. Like they're trying to control how people perceive their product. And I think with time, with feedback from both sides, I think overall it'd be over like a beneficial uh, solution just to try and find some kind of middle ground between the two. Yeah. I, you know, DMCA, it's one of those things that, that was definitely needed in 98 when we were still pioneering everything and everybody had LimeWire. Um, but now I feel like that kind of give and take of like, hey, we're advertising your game could go for music as well. There might be a guy who's like, oh man, I just heard the you know, Bohemian Rhapsody uh, play during Guardians of the Galaxy. I want to go pick that up, so I'll go grab it somewhere. Which, I mean, nowadays you just like listen to it on Spotify, but nevertheless. I, I was going to say exactly what you just said, is that people don't buy music anyway. They just stream it on Spotify. And I, I don't know what the right answer is to that. And here we go talking about copyright. And <laughs> again, I don't know what right. the correct answer is. I think Kyle puts a little bit too much emphasis on the developer's in original intention of the game. I, I think that's important, but I don't think it matters as much as mm -hmm. some people claim that it does. I think what people get out of a video game is what makes games so unique as a, an interactive medium. Mm -hmm. um, Twitch, I'm surprised they went as far and as long as they did without doing anything to really clamp down on uh, people that were streaming with copyrighted music. Uh, like Kyle was saying earlier, Metallica kind of. <laughs> decades ago put the kibosh on a lot of that and twitch took a long time to catch up to actually striking down on that and i think streamer modes are freaking awesome anything to to get that out there and most companies if you ask them they actually like people streaming their games whether it's an effective form of advertisement or not i haven't done the research i don't know that but i just because somebody's streaming a game and i watch it it doesn't necessarily equate to a lost sale. It's the same way that piracy, somebody pirates a game, it doesn't necessarily equate to a lost sale. Um, I, I think those two are not mutually exclusive or they are. Yeah, they're, they're, they're separate. They're totally separate entities. So, right, right. Yeah. I, streamer modes are great. I'm just surprised that Square Enix is the one doing it because it seems like they shouldn't or wouldn't give a shit. But what do yeah. I know? I figured it'd be Rockstar with uh, GTA because that was the first, I remember the first time I heard about it being a problem. The GTA has songs in, on the radio that are totally DMCA protected. And you'd think that they'd be like, hey, I'm going to streamer mode, so maybe the radio wouldn't play those songs when you're playing Get to Daughter or something like that. That's who I thought would first step up with something like this. Uh, but you brought up a really good question that I'm going to ask everybody here. Um, has there been a game that you've watched streamed that you 
then went out and bought because the stream looked so good. And I'll, I'll kick off with Hellblade, um, which I think it was you, Kevin, that was streaming it. And then after that, I was like, I got to play some Hellblade. And that's what got me into it, was watching the stream of it. Was there anything like that for you? Yes. Spelunky, The Binding of Isaac. I got out of video gaming altogether until Sp I saw somebody play Spelunky. And then this is like 2013 or so. I watched a guy called Northern Lion uh, play it on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, shit, people make good old school looking games now in 2013. Here yeah. it is eight years later, and I'm playing video games because of that. And almost every single roguelike that I've played is because I've seen somebody play it. And I'm like, the gameplay loop looks very fun. I want to experience this for myself. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that you just named like games. Those are like two of your favorite games that I know of and yeah. that you, you picked them up because of streamers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. What about what about you, Cheddar? Has it been a game that you've seen somebody else stream or play and thought like, oh, I'm going to buy it because I'm watching them play it? So I can't think of a specific game, but personally, I always watch streaming or gameplay first before I even go purchase a game. Oh. Um, there's not very many times mm -hmm. where I will just go pick up a game and say, hey, it looks cool. I saw the trailer of it. Um, I'll differ from movies, right? Maybe right. I'll watch the trailer and just go watch it. <laughs> but for video games, maybe it's kind of cheap ass. I don't want to spend 60 bucks or whatever on a game. Uh, I don't blame I, you. I want to watch a game. Yeah, I know, right? I want to watch a gameplay first. Um, so I'm all about watching it before I go play it. You know, get it. I didn't even think about that, but I definitely do that. I mean, I definitely look up some videos on what the new Civ 6 or something like that looks like before I actually go buy it because, you know, we it's, it's our money. It's not our parents anymore. <laughs> so we got to make sure to make good choices. Uh, the best way to point. find out whether you want to play a game or not is to search Let's Play Episode 2 and like skip halfway through it and you'll get like raw gameplay of like an hour or so into that game and yeah. just watch it for 10 minutes. Like, okay, this is the kind of game I want to play. Very good you advice know. right there. Yeah, you get past the intros when everything looks pretty. You get to yeah. the words like actually like, oh, you got to grind this. <laughs> okay, good to know. Kyle, <laughs> <laughs> has there been a game you picked up watching the stream? You know, uh, back when streaming first took off on Justin TV, I actually watched, uh, you know, these guys called Four Player Podcast, and one of their main things was streaming horror games, mm -hmm. and it really got me into the genre. Like, a lot of those types of games I just adore, like, just for the atmosphere and the general, you know, story uh, storytelling narrative. And overall, I think that, along with what Kevin said earlier, Binding of Isaac, uh, I used to watch this one guy named Man vs. Game, you're probably familiar, uh, definitely not you know, the same person as it was back then. But uh, that was what really got me into that game. And I enjoyed it a lot because of him. Yeah. I like the idea of there being an entire genre that you found because of that. that that's another thing too. Is I don't necessarily like to play horror games because I play at night and I guess I'm a pansy. But uh, <laughs> watching streams is a really great way to experience horror games and horror stories. The Resident Evil games. I don't play them, but I watch Daniel stream them or whatever. And then I'm kind of getting the idea of what's going on. I'm like, oh, okay. So there's, you know, you know, scary people. Okay, cool. And, you know, you just kind of get the idea. I will watch Kyle play any horror game or any, like, hard action platformer game like Celeste. I'll watch him play those because I don't have yeah. the balls to do it myself. And I yeah. enjoy watching him do it. It's it's great. Yeah, watching Kyle play Hopefully Celeste soon. is great because he's at the he's at the levels <laughs> I'll never reach. So I get to see what the end of the game <laughs> <Exactly>. looks like. <laughs> and you can, you can listen to him slowly lose his mind, too, while he's failing over and over again That's until he finally gets it. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, that reminds me. Yeah, he kind of gets like mumbly as he's going, where you can kind of hear like the wheels are spinning, and he's just like, okay, make sure to dodge this one this time. Okay, make sure to like, Kyle, go walk Absolutely. outside, buddy. You need it. <laughs> so, little tangent on that. When he was streaming Celeste on the old Pushing Buttons uh, Twitch channel, mm-hmm. um, I tweeted about him losing his mind, and I added the dev, Maddie Thorson. And they actually came into the, the stream and was watching him and it was after his mind broke and he was just silent <laughs> for like 15 minutes. And that's when the dev happened to pop by and just I was like, yeah, my friend's losing his mind. You got to come check this out. And it's just oh, like, no. oh, no, click, 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 click. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's timing for you. Yeah. It, was, it was so entertaining to watch. Really good game. Yeah. Indeed, that is. That is definitely <laughs> that's fun. All right. <laughs> that was a good discussion. We got a lot of that one. So let's go ahead and go into our. Uh, Windows 11 was revealed, and uh, we have some new gaming features. It looks like they're starting to focus on gaming over at Windows, uh, so that's pretty cool. I want to focus on a few of them here. We have uh, Auto HDR being added, so it'll automatically add more vibrant colors to your games. Do you guys notice HDR on your television? Do you think it's a good feature to be adding? What do you think, Cheddar? So, um, I I feel like I notice it more when I'm in the store looking at them than it's in my own house, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so I just I just bought a TV a few weeks ago. My wife wants a bigger one, so um, you know, did the smart move and just did whatever she said. Um, <laughs> but um, I in the you know in the store, absolutely, it looks amazing. Um, at home, I, I don't really notice a difference. <laughs> There's something they're doing in the stores that I don't know what's going on, but it's, I, I think so. <laughs> it's the side by side imagery. This is with HDR. This is without HDR, and you can see like each half of the screen looks so much different. I, I yeah. think that's what it is. You don't get that at home. <laughs> no, and I think they have like a magic Blu-ray that's just like, you know, yeah, it can only hold like 10 minutes of video, but it's the best video in the world. <laughs> They're playing somewhere in the back. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to replay that in my house. Ask for the demo. Yeah, yeah. when you got <laughs> company you go. coming over, <laughs> I, I got to put the one with the birds flying around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a big fan of this. There, there. I have noticed like when I first went to an HDR TV, like, holy cow, this is way better. Um, you could tell when a show was leaning in on it. And so that's, that's pretty cool to me. Um, the, the next thing here, I, I don't know how it works and I, and I'm actually like in school for tech support and I still not sure how the hell this is going to work, but they have this thing called direct storage. It's from the Xbox series X. They're moving over to the PC and what it does is it takes the game from your storage and goes directly to the GPU without having to touch the CPU. I don't know how that's done, but I'm excited that this technology is out there. Um, I think it might be similar to when you're streaming, there's like a encoder chip on your GPU that's dedicated specifically for processing streaming data. Mm-hmm. I think it's similar to that. I don't know the specifics, but that's my guess. Yeah, that is going to be exactly what I said. Um, NVIDIA has been doing it for a little bit now, and I think there's settings built into OBS for it now that allows the, the processing to go through your graphics processor rather than your central processing. I, I think that's probably what they're talking about so that it puts a little less strain and less heat on the actual CPU. and can take advantage of these very easy to come by GPUs right now. They're super right all over the place and easy to get. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, still debating about, I'm debating about buying this PC off of uh, Newegg. It's like 2,500 bucks. The reason I'm going to buy the PC is because it, it comes with a 3080 in it. So it's like, oh, shit. well, shit, you might as well buy the PC then. And then I'll figure yep. out what to do with the parts later on. The rest of the parts, <laughs> sadly <laughs> enough. At that point, you could probably sell the, 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 the video card and buy two more computers out yeah. of it. Uh, yeah. That, okay, that makes sense to me because I'm sitting there trying to figure out like, well, then who's doing the processing? Somebody has to be able to do the pulling and the pushing 
and that makes sense that they're actually having the uh, chip on the the GPA do that. So that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, I, I assume it'll make things much faster. They're talking about it, it'll make the games load faster. Uh, it's just cool to see that they're actually making some hardware accelerations to gaming, which is cool. Uh, they boast that the Game Pass is being added to uh, Windows 11 natively. I when they showed it off, it looks like it's the Xbox app that the Windows 10 has. I don't think there's anything fancy with it. Um, Although I will just a quick shout out Game Pass is a great deal, guys. If you guys haven't tried out Game Pass, it's a buck to give it a shot for like three months. Sometimes if they have that deal out, uh, it's just solid. Uh, Cheddar, are you you have Game Pass yet? I do. Yeah, I, I tried it when it was a dollar. When does that sell? Yeah, <laughs> I had. I mean, you can't. What a dollar? Try it out. Come on now. Yeah, I um, don't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you played Sea of Thieves with us yet? Nope, that's one game I haven't touched at all yet. Okay, well, you're going to have to try that dollar out again, and we'll have to get you on some CFEs with the rest of us. I mean, I, I watch I watch you guys play it. That's, that's not the same. It. And they just did the Pirates of the Caribbean update, and me and Jonathan did the first part of it, and it's just <laughs> like, it's amazing, dude. <laughs> Honestly, it's really, really good. Yeah, check that out. Uh, all right, and then the next change, and, and it's my favorite change, if you guys have seen it. It's probably not, well, yeah, it is kind of gaming. Uh, they're making it to where Android apps can be played on Windows 10. So. Those of you guys who are like hardcore mobile players will know that there's a program called BlueStack and those are other ones that emulate an Android phone so that you can play Android apps or whatever uh, on your PC. Now Windows will support them themselves. So the nice thing about that is the emulators, they're really rough on your PC. They take a lot of a lot of power and a lot of everything. They, they just take up all the power you can. Um, and there are a lot of apps out there, or a lot of software and stuff like that that is only for mobile. Great example, TikTok. TikTok and Instagram are for mobile only. And so when you're somebody like me who does a lot of editing a post in Photoshop and then moving that post over to Instagram or something like that, like I'll have to go into like the developer mode for the actual web page for Instagram to post things so that I could do it. But that's like super inconvenient. And then for TikTok, I have to email me the video and then I got to do open it up on the phone. It's a whole big rigmarole just to get out a video of me just like shouting about Ubisoft. That's not very fun. So now yes, it is. <laughs> and so now it's it's, it's going to be much easier for the people out there and then of course the gamers themselves uh mobile gaming and stuff like that being on pc i think it's going to get more people into it and um i think that's a really good move um that's actually my favorite move of all of them uh what feature is your favorite coming to windows 11 um i like the game pass i think the game pass is pretty cool being built in uh, that whole idea, yeah i think the whole idea concept of it um the whole like computer processing part of it um, you're lucky I was able to get on Discord, so I don't know anything <laughs> about that. Um, so I'll, I'll pass those questions yeah. to you guys. <laughs> yeah, the the built-in thing, it looked like it's just a regular, like, the Windows 10 app, but they were posting it quite a bit. So it might be something where it's, like, integrated into the, like, framework or something like that, where it'll actually load faster or something like that. It'll be pretty neat to see what happens with that. Game Pass is a good deal, and, and it's a, definitely a must-buy. Uh, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to, Kyle? I like the sound of auto HDR. I'd like to yeah. go back and play some older games and see what changes would be made. See, uh, particularly in horror games, like that'd be really cool to have darker darks, for example. Yeah. Really neat to see. They use Skyrim as their example, which of course came out in 2011. It's an older game already at this point. And uh, you could tell it was that scene where in the very beginning where you're in the cart going to get your head cut off 
And um, you could just see like the buildings as they transitioned. It was, it just looked clean. And it was like, yeah, like you're in the Costco and you're seeing the side-by-side TVs like Kevin was talking about. And it's like, it looks great. I don't know if it'll actually be that way when I start playing it, but it looked great. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> what about you, Kevin? Any feature in particular you're looking forward to? This is going to sound strange because as much as I don't like mobile gaming, I think the ability to have Android apps on Windows natively is great because the reason I don't like mobile gaming is because I'm like a million years old. I can't even text properly without hitting the backspace button a million times. (laughs) Like my fingers are too. uh, Yeah, I'm too old. So being able to play some mobile games that I necessarily wouldn't necessarily want to play, but now have the or will then have the ability to play that. That's pretty cool to me. I, I like some of the. The, the picture cross games and stuff on mobile. There's a lot yeah. more of them and they're usually a lot better than, you know, paying three bucks for one on Steam. Yeah. And and, and I have I have actually bought in like mobile games on Steam and they just don't kind of control right. So yeah. it'll, it'll be nice to see Windows actually support something like that. That'll be cool. All right, guys. Uh, they're saying that Windows 11 is shipping with new PCs now. So you guys can get Windows 11 um, soon. <laughs> I don't know about it being free like the Windows 10 one was, but fingers crossed, hopefully it will be. That'd be nice. <laughs> Unlikely. All right. Uh, from here on out, we're going to be going to our Pushing Buttons review. Okay, so let's kick things off with uh, what is Pushing Buttons? Who is in charge of pu- who's Who's doing Pushing Buttons, right? And, uh, and everything like that. So, Kevin, do you want to start us off with what is Pushing Buttons? Yeah. Uh, Pushing Buttons was a podcast that started off the same time as Geek Freaks uh, a few years back. Mm-hmm. It was done by me and Kyle and one of our uh, mutual friends, Robert, uh, who unfortunately won't be joining us th- for this venture. But it's a podcast where we take a deep dive into one topic involved with video games and give our opinions based on our experiences uh, for whatever topic it happens to be. Um and we like to disagree a lot, as you've probably seen on this episode <laughs> th- thus far. And I-, I think the the differing opinions is what makes it great. It's it's always fun. Yeah, I agree. And there's sometimes like me, me and a lot of the other guys that are on this podcast, we grew up together. We've known each other for a very long time. So we don't disagree on a lot of things because it's like, yeah, we formed our opinions together as we grew up. So hearing that, that, you know, back and forth is always a blast. That's really cool. <laughs> Yeah, and Kyle and I have known each other, been friends for almost twenty years at this point. Okay, so, yeah. But, indeed. Yeah, so we, but it was the formative years up through like eighth grade <laughs> that we didn't know each other. We didn't know each other right. until like high school. Mm-hmm. You got so, all your opinions then. <laughs> yeah, like he was in anime and I was in the sci-fi, and to this day he can talk about anime and I can talk about Stargate or Star Trek. You should listen to Trek Freaks. Hell I yeah, <laughs> that's cool, uh, Kyle. Uh, what kind of topics can we expect from pushing buttons? Uh, well, there's several deep dives into many, you know, hot topics. Like examples would be, you know, what kind of games would you want to be stuck on a desert island, you know, playing? Yeah. Like that's one of my favorite all-time episodes. If we still have our entire catalog, by the way, on YouTube, and if you want to check that out, please do so. We can have a link in the description. Uh, but you know basically anything like your favorite developers what experiences have you know stayed with you the most just basically a whole amalgamation of ideas that friends would talk about have opinions on nothing too specific there i just want to keep it open but keep it open i see you leave it a little bit (laughs) we we did one episode 
We did one episode back in the day on our Mount Rushmore of video games. And just to throw this out there, um, spoiler alert for that episode from two years ago, one of Kyle's was the Tetris block, was the L, the Tetris block L. So that's just kind of the wacky shit that we get into on that. And I would love to be able to have guests on there, too, to have different opinions. Like, this is the first time I've talked with Cheddar, and I think that having him on there from time to time would be fun. I know, Frank, uh, you were a fan of the old show back in the day, and so mm-hmm. this new version of it would be right up your alley, too, and we'd welcome to have you on there or anybody else. Yeah, anytime. Um, yeah, so we're excited to have the show uh, joining the Geek Freaks um, podcast station, was what we're calling it now, uh, since we have so many new shows joining. Um, and this is going to be coming out every other Wednesday, right? It's going to be bi-weekly. Um, and, uh, push to talk is the season finale is, uh, this Friday. When you guys are hearing this episode is this Friday, we have an interview with Tyler, the esports coach again, and we go over top five, uh, video game villains. And it was a blast to do that. So, but that show will be going uh, on break, of course, and then it'll come back in December. And that way we give, you know, pushing buttons, plenty of room to breathe and, and get you guys focused on that. You were talking about, uh, bringing on guests. Now let's say if you could pick. One celebrity guest to join you guys. Each of you guys pick one. All right. I, oh, I see Kyle. Oh. He sits back in his chair and, and, the, and the wheels start spinning quick on that one. All right. Yeah. What celebrity guest in gaming would you want to bring onto the show? We'll start with you, Kevin. Oh, man. That is a, <laughs> that is a hard question. Because I don't, I don't view developers as celebrities like a lot of people do. Um, honestly, I think the best interviews I've listened to have been I'm going to go with Binding of Isaac and Spelunky. Uh, the developers of those games, Edmund McMillan, who did the Binding of Isaac, he, he's got a fascinating mind. And asking him about anything, even if it's not related to video games or his game, The Binding of Isaac, mm-hmm. is just simply, uh, I, that would blow my mind. And Derek Yu, uh, the, the developer of Spelunky, he has such a creative mind that being able to even get a glimpse into how he thinks about video games would just be just be uh be fantastic yeah yeah that, also oh i do have one more um rami ishmael i think is is my, i don't i'm sorry i don't know how to pronounce his name his first name is rami he's the, the the lead developer from nuclear throne and i think he did ridiculous fishing on the it was a mobile game uh, i follow him on twitter he's a great follow he's all about helping developers develop games that they want to make and he runs workshops. I'd love to ask him about that and about inclusivity in video games, which is a huge thing that he preaches on his Twitter feed. He'd be another great person to talk. Yeah. Those smaller developers, like, I mean, like these are huge titles. Don't get me wrong, but they're not, you know, what you'd expect from like a, a new Assassin's Creed developer. Uh, they, their passion is, is like infectious. You know, you hear, hearing them talk about their games and stuff like that gets you hyped for the game and for the industry as a whole. So th- those are fun, fun ones to talk to. Uh, what about what about you, Kyle? Is there anybody in particular you'd want to talk to on, on pushing buttons? So I'm glad you went with developers, Kevin, because I was more thinking in line with celebrities who have played video games. Number one for me would be Henry Cavill. Yep. <laughs> I would love to ask him what choices he made while playing the Witcher series. Because he did that before playing Geralt. Yeah. And I'd like to see like, okay, who'd you side with or who'd you romance? You know, how did you, what combat did you use? Like, I would love to see his brain, like, picking through all the different options of the Witcher series and how he used those moments to give his interpretation of the character, which was great, by the way. Yeah. 
me and Cheddar would have a hard time talking to him because he's uh, he's Alliance, and um, <laughs> we do don't it. put up with that shit around here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was all excited when I heard that you know like he almost lost the Superman role because. They called him for the Superman role while he was in a raid, and he didn't want to stop the raid to to pick up the phone. And then uh, when he was like giving his speech, like thanking everybody for helping out with season two of Witcher, uh, he had his his mask on, and it was a World of Warcraft mask. And I was like, oh, that's so dope! You know, he's wearing his World of Warcraft mask. He's still playing WoW. And then come to find out, somebody else is like, yeah, you know, whenever blah blah blah, human warrior. Like, oh, gross! I did not know you were an alliance. I don't even want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> two worst things, right? Yeah. I, why do we have you? Human I want and the warrior. Yeah, exactly. He could have been a gnome frost mage too, or something like that. Really up it up, like oh god, dude, you're killing me. So, <laughs> but Witcher's a good one to talk about too. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be fun to, to talk to people on there. Pushing buttons is a lot of fun, guys. Uh, their back catalog we'll link to in the description. Please check them out. We're excited for the show. What we'll do is we'll put a clip from their first episode. You guys can listen to that now and get a little taste of what's going on. And then their first season is going to be starting the first week of July. You guys will catch that on the 7th, uh, Wednesday the 7th. So uh, that is really great. I'm excited for you guys to check that out. I don't know how or why this happened, but I got super into Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> I, it's probably something that you've seen on Twitch. You a do lot a of lot people, of cooking simulator stuff too, don't you? Cooking sim was great. Yeah. Uh, they, there's a baking simulator. There's now a safe cracking simulator for like three safe bucks cracking? on Steam. Yeah, it, it looks pretty legit too. I read some of the reviews on that and it, it seems like it's a pretty legit safe cracking simulator. It sounds great. Hmm. But there's lawn mowing simulator. There's, uh, man, there's, I think there's an alchemy simulator that I'm super interested in actually trying to play when it comes out, but that'd uh, be better in VR. Man, that's uh, like a whole new genre, isn't it? It's it's been it's been booming the last couple of years, and I think the yeah. pandemic kind of added to it because a simple thing like power washing. I've power washed stuff. I use a power washer at work sometimes, and it's it's kind of cool. Your <laughs> arms go numb after like you know an hour of shaking <laughs> with high pressure water, but something about it in a video game is just so peaceful. It's just mm. seeing this thing is just full of muck and grime and stuff everywhere, and you're just slowly taking a little power washer to it for an hour <laughs> cleaning every little nook and cranny of it. it's, it's satisfying uh, to me it's as satisfying as like getting all the collectibles in a super mario like the super mario 64 getting all the stars it's it's kind of like that to me for some reason well i can't speak to being a heart surgeon simulator but that oh, game was just panic inducing i don't see that as relaxing <laughs> okay, so Surgeon Surgeon Simulator was a lot different because it was meant to be kind of like Quop or those other games that were you have to hit the right key at the right time and turn your mouse at the right angle to do the right thing. And it was meant to be less of a simulator and more of a patience tester, I mm. think is what it was. Like if if you ever play those the the actual simulator games are definitely a lot more simulate. Sim sim simulation is city. <laughs> There's more simulation to the newer ones than there is the older ones for sure, or the the wacky ones. But I also, and this is kind of in my wheelhouse, but more recently, definitely outside my wheelhouse. I've been playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, you have? Yeah, and I gotta say, it's 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 definitely Assassin's Creed. It's taken that Origins and Odyssey feel. But through it in 
like a Norse world. So you're mm. you're a Viking and it's 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 got that badass feeling to it. And if you're waiting for the next God of War game, this this one's it's not as fun as God of War. There's a lot more collectibles and stuff in it like Assassin's Creed is want to have. But it's it's a good game. It's beautiful. Like I've I think I posted a couple screenshots. Maybe I didn't. I don't remember. But uh, if I didn't, I'm going to over on the, the Geek Freaks Discord channel, which I highly recommend joining because it's a uh, it's, it's fun conversing. Over it's a there, great but place for good times for geeks and freaks geeks and, and freaks. nerds to hang out. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys, that is it for us. Thank you guys for joining us for uh, this uh, issue of Geek Freaks News. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Geek Freaks podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Geek Freaks Pod. We're also on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. We have our Patreon and a store. All those links are in the description. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week.